0: Really appreciate the reminders of how not to deal with the skunk uh, that was living under my deck. Don't send my dog under there to deal with it. Um, Kelly pr- hopes and prays that I have learned my lesson uh, from this one. Um, you know, so in my process of getting this skunk out from underneath my deck, I learned okay, the best thing to do is set up a radio. And I've been playing 80s rock music in my deck. My neighbors, I texted my neighbors and I was like, hey, this is what I'm dealing with, sorry. Um, You know, trying not to keep it too loud, but um, uh, to try to drive it away, find another place to bed down for the day because they go out and, and, you know, rummage around at night. Um, I also uh, dropped uh, uh, paper towels soaked in vinegar between the, the, um, the holes in the deck. And I have spotlights shining under the deck 24 hours a day as well. And uh, even, made, even, even poured some uh, chili powder. All these things that I've uh, read about of how to do this. And one of the contractors that's been working on my house, he said, you know, with the lights and the music, he said, he's just going to call all of his other skunk friends. They're going to gonna have a skunk rave under there. I said, "Oh no, please, no!" So I had to research real quick. Do skunks do that? No, I'm just kidding. But you know, it, it it touches well on what we've been learning from the Sermon on the Mount in these section. What if the skunk in your life is a person, right? A person made in the image of God, and, and that's you know. As we look at the golden rule here this morning, you might say, well, why aren't you living by the golden rule with this skunk? Well, the bottom line is this skunk is not made in the image of God. But some skunks are. And those would be the ones that you have relationships with. Uh, We're not to think of those people, as we've learned, as being unredeemable. We're not to live in an unhealthy relationship with them of enablement or appeasement. That's what we've been learning from these sections of the Sermon on the Mount. And I want to challenge you here this morning, part two, pursue the good stuff. Pursue the good stuff. As we looked at last week, pursue the will of God in your life. We looked at how we are to ask, seek, and knock on God's door, if you will for his good will for our lives especially in dealing with challenging relationships the first good that we are to are we're looking at pursuing this morning is the good of others and we're looking at pursuing the good of others because Jesus tells us that that is what his followers are to be about following him living as he lived the, the ultimate example of someone who lived and died and rose again for the sake of others. And Jesus' teaching comes in the form of, of something that most people are very familiar with in our world. We call it the golden rule. As we see in Matthew 5 verse 12. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law And the prophets. In relationship with others, Jesus, I can say with confidence, wants you to pursue the good for others that you desire for yourself. Pursue the good for others that you desire for yourself. This verse is also thought to sum up the entire ethical teaching thus far in the Sermon on the Mount. The entire understanding of how we are to live in relationship with one another. What is the right thing to do when it comes to our relationships with one another? The I I like how the ESV captures the original, the order of the original language. Jesus seems to get the mind thinking on our own behalf. Whatever you wish that others would do to you, and then he turns the mind to the care of those others that we're thinking about. The main verb here is do to them. The present tense is, is used here, be doing be actively, continually doing for them what you desire for them to do for you. One writer says the, the New Testament, the, the, it makes a very, this, this golden rule, it makes a very far-reaching demand for unselfish love in action. We call this the golden rule because uh, um supposedly there was a 3rd century roman emperor alexander severus he's known he was known for having this written on the wall of his throne room in gold this this uh very common statement about treating others the way that we desire For that to be treated. And I I understand there's jokes about how the golden rule changes from one setting to another. For instance, the golden rule of working in an office is that your boss's jokes are always funny. But we know that in the universe, in, in, in God's design, in what He created, this rule for living, this summary statement of ethics from our Savior, does not change. Jesus adds to this idea, for this is the law and the prophets. When, when the law and the prophets grouped together are talked about, it's basically talking about the teaching of the entire Old Testament. And another way of saying this is the whole Old Testament is teaching this path of how to live in your relationships. This is a summary statement. And this is expressed, when this is expressed, this idea of the law and the prophets are summarized by this. Or in this is the law and the prophets. God is saying this sums up the spirit of what I've told you about how to walk with me. Specifically here in relationship with other people. I'm going to come back to this statement of how it summarizes the Old Testament in a bit here. We're basically being told whatever good you wish others would be doing for you, be doing that very good for them. In other words, it's like, how should I live in this relationship with this person? Well, how would I want them to live in relationship with me? And Jesus is like, yeah, do that. As it is in agreement with all that I have told you. So obviously we don't contradict what we have been taught by God if we think, well, that's what the person wants. If you want to know what God's will is for you in these relationships, this is it. Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. You know, it's I, I picture, I, I don't know why it comes back to food and, and meat for me, but um, I picture, you know, I'm grilling Two steaks, me and this other person, both want them uh, uh, medium, you know, done medium, you know, hot red, cool pink. That's my favorite. And so I'm grilling this, and, and one of these steaks is a little bit smaller, and it ends up on kind of a hotter spot on the grill. And it ends up a little bit more done than than either of us like it. And so in this situation, I would hope this person that if they were grilling, maybe they wouldn't say, ah, yeah, that one's going to J.D., so, what should I do? Not do that to them. You know, that's kind of maybe a, a really simple example of it, but Jesus' plan is to change us into caring, loving followers of Christ who are more attentive to others than we are to ourselves. You know, this is not like, well, I obviously want to watch BattleBots. You know, I've I've loved that show since I was like 10 years old. Um, so that must be what God wants me to do for this person. Sit him down, and teach him how awesome BattleBots is. Okay, I know you're learning more about me than you wanted to know, but yeah, okay, like hey, thank you very much. I appreciate that, Tiffany. That comes in second. You know, it's BattleBots, Fail Army, Rift Tracks. There we go. Um, you know, or, or, you know, we understand in marriage or in happen- it can work out in other relationships too. We have love languages that, that, that we kind of prefer or that we ha- use to show our love. Mine is like acts of service and, and words of encouragement. Um, and but, but obviously if I'm trying to love Kelly in the way that she can receive that love, uh, she wants me to sit down next to her. And just spend that time. And so, obviously, I'm, this doesn't mean, okay, well, I appreciate being loved in this way, so that's what God wants me to do. He wants us, you know, to be sensitive to how that other person and what that other person needs. But these verses are often used to encourage a live and let live approach to relationships. It, 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 they they oftentimes are used this golden rule as a, a as a kind of a low calling. Let's just get along, go along to get along. You know, I live by the golden rule, as if it negates God's specific commands. But if this command sums up all of God's teaching to this point, that means that His commands are obeyed by as a part of following this command. It means that this command is, is if it is been follow, I mean being followed, it has the expectation that we are obeying all of God's commands in that relationship. Do you see how that is a total contrast to someone who might say, you know, I, I don't really worry about what God's word says. I don't really worry about what, you know, the, these commands are. I just try to live by the golden rule. But the fact is, is that God's commands are assumed. In this. That is why in it are all the law and the prophets. What does God mean by his moral law, his teaching being summed up by whatever you wish that others would do to you? do also to them. As I said before, this is God expressing, basically saying, this sums up the spirit of what I've told you about how to walk in relationships with others. The same could be said for the fact that God's commands are summed up in the commands to love God and to love others. This doesn't mean that love replaces the high calling of obedience to God. Obedience and repentance are to be expressions of our love for God. We want to take summary rules like this oftentimes and kind of blur them into some personal definition of right and wrong. That is not what this is. Think of a, a softball player, right? For for that player to to read through the rule book, to read through the the directions and, and the rules for how to play softball, and then for her to read at the end of the rule book that this rule book is is could be summarized in the statement, "Be the best player that you can be. Now, she's not going to say, "Oh, okay, is that out? Is that all I have to do? Then, okay, I'm not going to worry about what the rest of the rule book says, because I'm just going to live by this one. I'm just going to be the best player that I can be. Now the idea is, in following these rules, in playing in this way, It can be summarized by be the best player that you can be. It's not that this final rule throws all of that out. But can you see how our world has taken the golden rule and kind of vanilla basically to say, you know what, that's just the rule I try to live by. I don't worry about the rest of God's commands or expectations. In the same way, if we want to know how to love others well, we will follow God's design for that relationship. All of what he has commanded. And it's summed up as love them the way that you would want them to love you. If you're wondering what God would have you to do for others, look to his commands. Don't murder them. That's pretty good. Or hurt them unintentionally. Make it right when you do so. Don't lie to them. Don't steal their spouse or, t- or take what should be only belong to them. If you're looking at what they have and wanting it for yourself, your relationship needs repentance. Show others the appreciation, the consideration, the affirmation that you desire, the sensitivity that you desire. See them as a person with the same needs as you. So This leads us how Jesus tells us to live in our relationship with others and to pursue eternal life through Jesus alone. I think you'll be able to see this connection in, in the relationship of how we should love others. We should love them with the truth. We should love them with the truth of the exclusive claims of the gospel of the exclusive claims of Jesus saying he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. No man comes unto the Father except by him. And we read as he teaches, enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. So he tells us, enter the narrow gate. Enter into what? Well, he's talking to us here about the kingdom of God. If you, if you understand this, our series here in understanding the Sermon on the Mount, we are looking at the standards of the kingdom. And here he is talking about the standards of entering into the kingdom of God. We just saw in Matthew 7, or we'll see in Matthew seven twenty one, where he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So he's talking about entrance into his kingdom. We know from Matthew 4, verse 23, as we looked at, that Jesus went around about throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. This is the focus here, how to enter into the kingdom of God. In other words, how to enter into a relationship with God that makes us a part of his kingdom both now and into eternity. The narrow entrance point to the kingdom of heaven is a relationship with God in Jesus. And the gate that we are to walk through is the gospel. Let me just summarize that for you here. I I try to do this as often as I can. The gospel would be summarized in acknowledging what God tells us about ourselves. And that is that we need salvation. That our sins have separated us from God. And sin cannot be um, made up for by good works. Our good works are still tainted by our sin. But Jesus took our sins on himself and paid that penalty for them. And, he, and by doing so, he made his righteousness available to us. So we don't have to stand before God in our sins. By accepting Christ as our Savior, we can stand before God in Christ's righteousness. That begins a relationship with God indwelt by his Holy Spirit that begins now and lasts for all of eternity. Imagine you come to someone to share a life-altering issue that you don't know the solution to. And you share it with a friend and they know exactly what the solution is. But you might not like it. What do you wish for them to do to you? To share it with you. And here's the huge connection that I see between verse 12, the golden rule, and these verses, verses 13 through 14. We need to do the same for our lost friends. Tell them the unpopular answer to their core problem. That is what we would desire for them to do for us. That is what we need to do for them. To let them know that they must enter by the narrow gate, which is Jesus and the gospel. There's only one entry point into a relationship with God and that is the person and work of Jesus Christ. And as a part of pursuing eternal life through Jesus alone, beware following the crowd to destruction. He explains using the term for, that's an explanation of what he just said, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many. The two things being contrasted here of the saved and the, un, the, saved and the unsaved and, and, and their relationship to them is a gate and a way. The, the gate and the way that is entered into by that gate. That's my understanding of the relationship between those two here. You know, Warren Weir'sby says the fact, the fact that everybody does it is no proof that, that what they are doing Is right. The fact that everybody does it is no proof that what they are doing is right. And this is explaining to us why our world thinks that always leads to God. It's a believable lie from the devil, not because it's true that all paths lead to God, instead, we all have the same source. We all come from a relationship with God and have been separated from our, by our sin. The, this broad way, this broad message of the enemy is, you know, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter where you go. As long as you seek after God, he's going to find you. And he'll understand. Just pursue any of those paths because they all lead up to him. Like I said, it's believable because we all come from the same source. But that lie is a part of the broad way. If a person cares to be right with their maker, the world tells them any old religion will do. The fact is that all other ways but total trust in Christ is the way that leads to destruction. Not only is the entry point wide, but the but. And, and the entry point is all encompassing of whatever way that you want. The path that it leads to is easy. Warren Wearsby also says, here then is the first test. Did your profession of faith in Christ cost you anything? If not, then it was not a true profession. Many people who trust Jesus Christ never leave the broad road And it's appetites and associations. They have an easy Christianity. That makes no demands on them. Yet Jesus said that the narrow way was hard. We cannot walk on two roads. In two different directions. At the same time. End quote. That it is the broad way. That leads to destruction. That is easy. And the Christian life. Is not meant to be easy. As another part of being uh, a part of eternal life, pursuing eternal life through Jesus alone. I want to challenge you, expect to be a suffering minority. That's basically what we're being told here. Expect to be a suffering minority. We're told, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. As I said, the gate is Jesus and we open it through confession, trust, and in and, and, and Christ as our Savior. And God responds to us by the indwelling Holy Spirit. And the way can be, can be difficult because we enter the battle against spiritual forces when we enter into the kingdom of God. It can seem like nothing comes easy in life When we walk with Christ, there is a constant burden of wondering what God desires from us in confusing situations. We're not uh, we're not to see anything that we have as truly belonging to us, but to be belonging to God himself. And there's a constant conviction of sin. Does this sound familiar? You're on the hard way. But it leads to life. Even as we grow, we may sin less, but we're grieved more by our sin when we do. That's not easy. But we walk in connection with a very person, the very person, the very God that we were made to know and love. You know, it's been said that one of the deepest lonelinesses is being lonely in a crowd. Feeling all alone, even though you're surrounded by people. That's what it can be like when people are living in the kingdom of darkness. It's an easy path, but no one knows the answer to the, their deepest needs of life. No one can touch those needs with the lies that they live by. Everyone's together in their brokenness and loneliness. But well distracted. Satan is happy to keep people on the path of destruction well distracted. Life in Christ is the opposite of being alone in a crowd. When not following the crowd, Jesus is the closest friend that we can ever imagine. And we fill every bit of, he, he will fill every bit of room that we clear out for him through repentance and that we invite him into, to be with us. So pursue eternal life through Jesus alone. What is What is pursuing eternal life through Jesus alone look like? It looks like responding to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, that life is more than just trying to die with more toys. It's more than living for accomplishment or the appreciation of others. It's more than living for pleasure or adventure. It looks like responding to God's prompting that we were meant to walk in relationship with Him. Not be separated from Him for all of life and for all of eternity. It's acknowledging, as Augustine did, the soul of man is restless until it finds its rest in God. Pursuing eternal life through Jesus alone looks like believing the gospel rather than this gold star system of every other religion, right? Every other religion ends up in a matter of just getting gold stars for following the rules and and, and hoping that your gold stars more than make up for your bad marks. And then choosing a religion is just a matter of seeing which rules you can live by better. Which rules make more sense sense to you? This is a part of the wide road of destruction. There's plenty of religion on it. Trusting in the person and saving work of Jesus is different from all of that. And it's the beginning of a harder life that is more worth it when we live for Christ, with Christ, and through Christ. Did you hear that? We live for Christ, with Christ, and through Christ. Beware that living your life however you wish, it is very appealing. There's billions of people that are content in this life making God what they want Him to be. There's plenty of people that are content to let you be churchy as long as you don't speak of salvation being only through Jesus Christ or as long as you don't live by your convictions. These billions of people are content to have their own live and let live world. I just live by the golden rule. And they will be content to have people join them in hell as well. The fact is that we who are a part of the kingdom of God, we are a small minority. That's what we are told here. Few are those who find it. And it is only by grace that we do. We are told by God that it's through Christ alone that a person can be saved. And he tells us that the gospel is offensive to those who consider it intolerant and exclusive. It is exclusive. And God does not tolerate our sin. That's why we cannot have a relationship with him without the payment that Christ made being applied to our part. Don't be surprised that it becomes hard to follow Christ as the world falls further away from his truth. But rejoice in the fact that we can walk with God through it all. And that is exactly what we are made to do. Let's bow our heads together. Father God, you have summarized how we are to live in relationship with each other, how we are to carry out all of your, your the commands, all of what you guide us in, all of how you teach us to live. by obeying them in the way that we want the others to obey them in our lives. And Lord, knowing you as our Savior, we know first and foremost what people need. Is they need the gospel. We would want someone to share it with us. We're so grateful that someone shared it with us. I pray, Lord God, that you would help us that you would allow us to be willing, that you would give us the strength, that you would give us the words to share that very exclusive statement, that very exclusive truth that there is no way to relationship with you except through Christ, that it is a narrow way, that Christ is the only gate. And it doesn't necessarily mean that our earthly life Becomes a cakewalk. But we get to walk it with you. We are so grateful for that. Let us live by these truths this week Lord. And I pray these things in Jesus name. Amen.